0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. May this gift of his life for ours lead us into a lifetime of praise. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, The gospel text today brings to light two very different manners in which a person can approach life. From the theology of the cross or from the theology of glory? Now, you may or may not have heard this terminology from Martin Luther before, so let me boil it down for you this way. The theology of the cross looks at adversity and suffering in the world and recognizes it as the consequence of sin in the world. A person under this theology prays to God in faith and trust, And says, Not my will, but thine be done, O Lord. And this person knows that come what may, no matter what the circumstances, he or she is the baptized and redeemed child of God. And trusting in Christ Jesus, the crucified, for the forgiveness of sin, he or she bears all the challenges, all the burdens of this life with a heart of continual praise, that these things are temporary. But the things of God, they're eternal, forever. Therefore, God is to be praised as the God of salvation, even in the midst of all the crosses, all the burdens, and all the struggles that life brings. Now, the theology of glory, on the other hand, views adversity and suffering as a punishment for either unbelief or weak faith person who follows this way of life views the Christian life as one of earthly wealth and earthly prosperity, health without suffering, joy without facing sorrow. In a word, if you're a true Christian, you'll have no earthly cares because your wish is God's command. You can simply tell him to remove all the thorns, all the crosses, all the suffering and problems. In this way of life, one can only praise God when the going is good. Praise is reserved for glory and never for crosses. So now let's consider the disciples of Jesus, James and John, and decide what kind of theology these men presented themselves to be following when they came to Jesus with their request in our gospel text. Now this request of the sons of Zebedee showed that they desired the glory that would be revealed in the coming of God's kingdom. That they were unprepared and unwilling to suffer any burdens. They wanted the places of honor on the left and right hand of Jesus when he would reign in majesty. But they remained blind to what must be in the meantime. And even in their starting premise, they exposed their theology of glory. They said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And that's a textbook example of how modern theology of glory treats God. One uses God as a means to an end for health, for happiness, and for all other personal purposes. But Jesus responds in our gospel with the plain truth. He says, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism in which I am baptized? Now, such language might bring to mind the sacraments of the altar and of baptism, but here our Lord is using them as figurative language for what's going to happen to him as our Lord and Savior. Jesus refers to his arrest, His scourging, as crucifixion, as drinking from the cup and being baptized. You might remember the Old Testament references to someone drinking from the cup of God's wrath. That's what Jesus is talking about here, the cup of suffering, the baptism of blood. He doesn't come right out and ask James and John, do you want to come and be crucified just like me? But perhaps that would have been easier for the disciples to understand. The inability of the disciples to comprehend and accept the passion and death of our Lord is a consequence of the theology of glory, and it continues to manifest itself even today. While the theologian of the cross accepts suffering and turns to the Lord for strength and a certain hope of forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life, the theologian of glory is in spiritual danger anytime he encounters suffering. He's in danger because he's been led to believe that suffering will not be a part of the Christian life. Sadly, there are so many people in the world today that follow that kind of theology. you watch uh, TV, you'll see all kinds of uh, TV preachers that are preaching this theology of glory. But here's the law that we don't like to hear, but we need to hear. Each and every one of us, even us gathered here, are a theology of glory person by nature. Even when we have heard Jesus' teaching about bearing our crosses, being persecuted for his name's sake, we also still respond to trials and adversity with despair and shock We ask, why me, God? Take this cup from me. Why why am I suffering? Our nature also wants to believe that our Christian behavior and conduct as God's children will somehow insulate us from hardship and problems. We'll gladly praise God as long as following Christ translates into being sure that we'll be healed from every sickness. Guaranteed to have no financial hardship and being assured of no heartache. But the Christian life is not an insurance policy against all trial and suffering. James and John started out with a request for a blank check. But upon further questioning from Jesus, they revealed their greater error of seeking glory without crosses. Do not be deceived. Seek not to be first in line or to be the greatest among each other. Expect not a Christian life that is free from serious illness, strife, and suffering. Instead, Jesus tells us to be prepared, that we will suffer. We will have those crosses to bear. Because if that's the Christianity that you embrace, the theology of glory, then you'll have no place to turn when you do hear that bad news from your doctor or your banking statement. your newspaper because as God's children we will indeed drink the cup of suffering as long as we are here on this earth we'll be harassed by the unbelieving world we'll face trials we'll face hardships we'll be tormented by our conscience and contrition over sin and yet Christ has promised to give you peace from these crosses he forgives you your iniquity He absolves you of your sin and he separates them for you as far as the east is from the west. He bids you to come to his altar where he gives you the visible and tangible promise in his body and blood that were given and shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sin and the strengthening of your faith. He invites you to come to him at all times and in all places through the gift of prayer. And the knowledge that all of your crosses, whether they be sicknesses or bereavement, doubt or fear, all of them are temporary. And in the midst of them, exalt his holy name. Let praise be in your mouth because you lack nothing. Jesus Christ is not a means to an end. He is the end. And he is the one and only focus of the theology of the cross. He is the Christ who came not to be served, but to serve, to serve us, to give his life as a ransom for many. He is the Christ who is not your self-help guru. He is the Christ who shed his blood and died for your sin and was raised for your justification. He is not the Christ who said, Not believe in me and I'll, or said, not believe in me and I'll grant you your every wish, your every desire. But who he himself said that you, as his followers, will be hated. You'll be persecuted for his name's sake. He, he tells us that in his own word. He says, We'll suffer and perhaps even die for following him. But most importantly, In him, and in him alone, you will have life, life eternal. That's the the wonderful thing to remember, that the things of this world, the the problems, the heartaches, the difficulties, they're all temporary. They will all fade away and be done with. But God gives us eternal life. It's something that, that can't be taken from us. As baptized believers in Christ, we have that faith and that promise. And it changes our focus. It changes how we go about our life and and how we live out our lives of faith. So what do we say? We rejoice. We praise God. We praise God for we know uh, not uh, our, our own weaknesses, but we know the power of God. The power of God that defends us, that helps us. And that power is in the cross of Jesus Christ one who gave his life as our ransom who paid the price for our sin every last bit of it. serve us with his grace and with compassion he is our salvation and he alone is worthy of all of our praise forever and ever amen